I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone. Great to be with you today. And we're going to keep uh, marching right through uh, the hour, all the way till 12 o'clock. And uh, I mentioned before the break that uh, there is great reason to celebrate on Friday. And it has nothing to do with Valentine's Day. It has to do with something way more important. And I know we had a little bit of a reaction to saying something was more important than Valentine's Day. Uh, But there is, and it's a big one. And I'm really, really pleased to be joined by Nyland McBain, uh, who uh, did a wonderful piece in the Deseret News and uh, is the author uh, of the book, Pioneering the Vote, the Untold Story of Suffragists in Utah and the West, because, of course, on February 14th, 1870, uh, was when uh, that vote really took place. Uh, Nyland, thanks so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. So, uh, obviously, uh, 1870, February 14th, uh, just give everyone just the, the quick backstory on why this is way more important than Vi- Valentine's Day. <laughs> well, it was Valentine's Day in 1872, uh, but on that day, 150 years ago, Sarah Young of Salt Lake City, Utah, cast the first female vote in the nation uh, under an equal suffrage law. So what that means is that she was the first woman to vote uh, after a law had been passed here in Utah Territory saying that uh, women had had the same political rights as men in elections. The territory of Wyoming uh, had passed a legislative decision granting women the right to vote a few months earlier. But what we're celebrating is the first vote actually cast by a woman uh, in the in the United States. And so that's, that's a really exciting anniversary. Yeah, it's so uh, and, and so important. And one of the things I love in, in your book uh, and in the piece that uh, that you wrote over the weekend is that often the kind of the, the Western women uh, do not get the highlight and the credit they deserve for really leading out in so many important things and having such a big impact on the region. Uh, tell us just a little bit of what you learned as you were putting this book together. Yeah, so the, the women's suffrage movement officially began in 1848 in Seneca Falls, New York. And so we often think of Susan B. Anthony, for instance. Some people might know Elizabeth Cady Stanton or Anna Howard Shaw as other names in the national suffrage movement. And they were all based on the East Coast. But many years before the 19th Amendment was added to the U.S. Constitution, extending women's rights throughout the nation, 
women in Utah and Wyoming and Colorado and Idaho were exercising that right and even being elected to political office. And the Eastern suffragists were conflicted about whether or not they should recognize these early advancements in their movement. Uh, All four of those states came in as suffrage territories or states for very different and sometimes strange reasons. For instance, polygamy was a huge factor in women voting here in Utah. In Wyoming, the territorial legislature there kind of considered it a joke. It was a way to get uh, more women to this tiny territory, and there was some racism involved as well. Mm. And in Colorado, it was motivated by something called the silver standard, which we don't really even understand anymore. So those, those are kind of strained motivations even at, even at that time. And so the Eastern suffragists were divided. Susan B. Anthony herself was a great fan of the Western women. She came to Utah on several of occasions. She became friends with the Utah suffragists. They were doing something that nobody else in the country was doing, no other women were doing. And Susan B. Anthony chose to embrace them and really hold them up as an example to the nation and to Congress specifically, that when women go to the polls and when women participate in the public sphere, our children aren't abandoned. The domestic sphere doesn't, you know, collapse. Husbands still have their dinners on the table. All of the fears that people had when um, about about women voting didn't happen in Utah and these Western nations, and so they were set up as examples for the rest of the country. Uh, and that's so important. Uh, I want to hit two things uh, just real quickly. You know, one is this. Uh, you know, why the the West seems to to get ignored in all of that, not just, uh, you know, in the 1870s, but even into the 1900s and with the passage of the 19th Amendment, uh, there just seems to be a a missing space, a missing piece in terms of the the puzzle. And and why is that? Is it just an East-West thing? Um, So I want to get your take on that. And then I want to dig down a little bit in terms of, uh, of what's next. Yeah, so I'm a native New Yorker. I was born and raised in New York City, so I know that that that, that there's a kind of myopic vision. We don't think much happens west of the Mississippi, right. worth, worth noting in history. Maybe the gold rush, right? Yeah. Um, so so I, I get it now being a Utah transplant. Um, but the, the main reason is that the suffrage movement was really long. It was about a 75-year movement. But the images that we have in our in our mainstream culture are mostly from the last 10 years of that movement, 1910 to 1920. And that's because a particular woman named Alice Paul she kind of created her own political party, the Women's Party, mm-hmm. and she took over many of the tactics of the national suffrage movement or kind of created her own her own version of the of the suffrage movement from tactics that she had learned from the suffragettes in England. So suffragettes is a term for the sort of militant uh, 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 women in England, and suffragists here had traditionally taken much more mild tactics. But Alice Paul decided that that, we'd had enough of that. We hadn't made enough progress. And so she really brought us into the consumer era of the kinds of protests that we know today, chaining yourself to the White House gate, hunger strikes, parades, banners, um, uh, newspaper ads, magazines, all of that. And that's much more in keeping with the way that we protest and the way that we demand action today. We feel a kinship with that. It's much more in line with our modern media sensibilities. And so uh, I think think that's probably the main reason why. And, and of course, the advent of photography in 1870 when Sarah Young voted, you know, there weren't 
pictures. Or, there weren't photographers around to take pictures of it. There were journalists, and they recorded her name, and they recorded um, these these elections in all in great detail. They described in great detail all of the things that happened in the West in the end of the 19th century. But, of course, in the 20th century, we just had a camera, and we could take a picture of all of it. <laughs> right, right. Uh, if you're just joining us, we have uh, Nyland McBain joining us. Uh, we're talking about why this uh, Valentine's Day is so important and such a significant thing. And, again, it's not just the uh, chocolate uh, that we're up for, although I, I would still recommend that to everybody. Uh, I, I want to have, and just, we have just about a minute left, uh, Nyland, and uh, just in, in your book, you tell these stories of these women who, who really were, not just because they were able to vote, uh, but both before and after that were, were being influential, were leaving a mark, were creating a legacy. Uh, tell us just uh, maybe one of your favorite insights uh, you've learned about the women here in Utah and throughout the West. Yeah, that's the reason that the suffrage movement is so important is, of course, because it uh, allowed women to vote. And, and that's actually a process that continued after 1870 and 1920 and into the Voting Rights Act in 1965. We're celebrating the 55th anniversary of that, too. And that's a conversation that's still happening, especially for people of color in our country. But the suffrage movement really marks the threshold between American women generally moving from the domestic sphere into the public sphere. And that's what we love about this story. The, pl- the, the movement gave them a platform on which to organize, to collect their thoughts, to uh, speak to mixed crowds, which they were, really didn't mm. do before, and mixed men and women, to publish. Um, and it gave them a lot of skills over that 75-year period that really facilitated their entrance into the public stage on other, and other platforms, too, education, um, the workforce, all of that. And so anytime we as women express our opinion and expect it to be taken seriously or we express ourselves uh, professionally, we have the suffragists to thank for that. Oh, fantastic. Nylon McBain, thank you so much for joining us today. Love the insight. The book, again, is Pioneering the Vote, the Untold Story of Suffragists in Utah and the West. Uh, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much. All right, we'll continue to celebrate that as we go throughout the week, uh, marching our way towards Friday. For now, we're going to step aside, take our final break. When we come back, I may rant a bit on the president's budget, and not just the president, but Congress in general. When it comes to money, we are losing, and it's bankrupting the nation. we got to fix it, find out the solution when we come back on KSL News Radio. KSL News Radio.